Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Welcome back. I wish you were here. I say that all the time. I mean it when I say it. I wish you were here. I might even know you, so I wish you were here. I'm going to enjoy today a cigar that I'll tell you about at the end, in case some of you who are listening are not cigar-interested folks or cigar aficionados. I'll tell you about this cigar that I just lit at the end of the podcast. Just understand that it's a torpedo and one of the darkest-looking cigars I've ever seen. It's almost black. Mm-mm. It's very good. And it was a surprising cigar. It was a gift. I looked at the cigar and I thought, ah, the wrapper, I don't know. I mean, the label on it, the band on it was kind of cheap looking. The name was sort of cheap looking. I thought, ah, I don't know. I don't know. But it turned out to be incredibly good cigar. So I just said thank you when they gave me these cigars. I think it was a box of 10 that they gave me. And uh, thank you. Thank you. I actually meant thank you, but I had low, low expectations, but I had high hopes for the whiskey that I'm going to be enjoying today. This whiskey, which I'll tell you more about at the end, I'll pour one little bit of it here. Not even a shot, probably there. That's probably a third of a shot or something like that. Oh, this is wonderful stuff. I'll just tell you what it is now so you can hang out at the end if you're curious about some of the details around it. This is Pikesville Straight Rye Whiskey. It's 110 proof and it is surprisingly good. If you're not a fan of rye whiskey, this is the one to start with because it is very good. I'll Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll tell you all that stuff at the end. Let's dive in to the whole reason you're listening to this podcast. Most of you don't listen to this so you could get bourbon or whiskey reviews and cigar reviews, but some of you do. You listen to that part and just click past the rest. <laughs> Let's dive in. You know, I really like being around good leaders. You're probably one of them. That's why I like to spend my time around you. You're probably a really good leader. And I get to do that quite often. And when I'm around these good leaders like you, I find myself kind of settling in and listening and soaking up how you think and watching how you respond, especially when dealing with critical decisions or when you're functioning under pressure. You might think I'm sitting back and psychoanalyzing you, emphasis on psycho, but that's (laughs) that's not what I'm doing. I'm enjoying you like I would this fine Pikesville rye or this wonderful cigar. It's just I want to savor the moment because you've gone through a lot and learned a lot in order to be the effective leader that you are. And so I like to watch and gather and learn and then try to be as good as I can after having hung around you and others like you for a while. So it's a fun part of my life. It's an enjoyable thing. And since my life mission is to build up and support and protect high-impact leaders so that you can get the results that make this a better place, that's what I do when I'm around you, is try to watch for ways that I can support and build you up. So Donnie and I returned recently from a, a few days with just such a group, a group of really good leaders. Some of them have management functions and some supervisory functions, but they're all, they're all really good leaders of a very influential organization that you would know if I mentioned it. So Donnie and I both noticed some interesting behavior. We noticed 
two things. And the first few minutes of this podcast, I'll tell you the first thing. And then the last few minutes, I'll tell you the second thing. So as we thought about it, we recalled seeing this same behavior or these two behaviors whenever we've been able to work shoulder to shoulder with great leaders like you. All these leaders seem to have a version of these two behaviors. And they're very simple behaviors on the surface, so simple that they could be overlooked. Donnie pointed these two behaviors out to me a while back. He said, did you notice that they say, how can I help? A lot. And here's the second behavior. He went on to say, did you notice that they also say, thank you? a lot, especially at times when that's not the expected response. So I began to kind of turn up my reticular activating system. That's the superpower of the human brain, the ability to spot patterns and then characterize the world around us according to categories and patterns. So I began to turn up my reticular activating system and I noticed how can I help and thank you among certain types of leaders. Two simple statements to me that reveal a great deal about that leader. And they reveal a great deal about me when I use them. They're not just like filler phrases like, so how you doing? You know, or, or, oh, that's awesome. Or, oh, it's so nice to see you. We may mean it or we may not. (laughs) When I say that, by the way, when I say it's nice to see you, I mean it, right? But often we don't. So these two phrases indicate something deeper, something more profound about the leader who uses them more than once. So what about you? Do you use those two phrases very often? My first lesson or second or third lesson, something like that with my very first CFI or certified flight instructor was an interesting experience on many levels. But one of them was he told me to do something. He said, do this, like, you know, use the trim, for example. And uh, I was about to reach for the trim to use the trim. In my mind, I had thought, use the trim. My my hand hadn't moved yet when he said, trim the plane. And I started to say, I was about to do that. Or I did say that. I I was just reaching for that, right? And and he waited till we got back on the ground. And then he sat, uh, sat with me in the debrief after the first lesson and said, when I tell you to do something in the airplane, just say thank you. Then we can talk about it later, period. Just say thank you, period. I was really intrigued by that. uh, And I began to practice that discipline with him. Wow, something changed in my mind when I began to practice that discipline. Saying thank you does something to our mind and even then to our body. It changes the way we think and the way we feel and the way we act And then it changes the way people interact with us. We have gotten to work with 911 organizations for many, many years, and you might be a part of one of those, and it's wonderful and noble work that you do. One of the things we learned early on as we were talking with folks who were responsible for training new hires was that they had a pretty good guess about whether or not someone would be able to make it as a new call receiver, call taker, or dispatcher. And they'd make it through training and out on the floor based upon a behavior. And the behavior was, did they get defensive when they were corrected? Or did they say thank you and maybe ask a follow-up question? Those who had higher levels of defensiveness and maintained it even when told about it were ones that most likely would not last through training. They wouldn't make it out into that pressure cooker on the floor. We were also at a really interesting board meeting a while ago with some folks. And there was a report given by senior staff to the board about a project that had been going on for a couple of years. And they're very proud of how far they've gone with this project. And I am too. I'm really impressed with what they've done. Toward the end of that 10 or 12 minute presentation that was kind of like a celebration almost about how, how far they've gotten with this very specific project that they were doing, one of the board members 
interrupted at the end of that and said, your approach is never going to work. It's just not going to work. You've got a flawed assumption and went on to talk about it for a couple of minutes. The room was a kind of electric with kind of intensity and awkwardness as that board member was speaking. When he was finished and sat back and folded his arms, one of the senior vice presidents around that group just turned to him, first to speak, turned to him and said, thank you for that. Period. Just that statement thawed out the ice that was in the room and the conversation pivoted to get some real value out of what that board member had said. This is really intriguing to me. When these good leaders that we're talking about experience resistance or conflict or disagreement, maybe this is you, they say, thank you. And here's the key. They mean it. They're sincere. So here's a few things we've learned about saying thank you and meaning it. First, practicing the discipline of saying thank you trains our mind to be sincerely grateful as our baseline, as our default. Here's a second idea. Gratitude regulates our sympathetic nervous system and it suppresses neurochemicals associated with anxiety and fear. It regulates downward the stress hormones that cascade through our body when we are afraid, like epinephrine and norepinephrine and cortisol. And it does that when we're grateful, when we're thankful, by activating the bliss center in our brain. And it enhances the uptake of dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. Who knew? You probably didn't even know you had a bliss center in your brain. Here's a third thought. Saying thank you, genuinely practicing gratitude, especially when we're specific with that gratitude, fosters neuroplasticity and cognitive restructuring in our brain. It literally rewires our brain so that we're more creative and optimistic and able to see opportunities when previously we saw only threats. Wow. Well, another way of thinking about this practice, I guess you want to call it, of of genuine gratitude, of saying thank you, is like imagining a three-legged stool of benefit by practicing thank you and being genuinely grateful for something. So one leg is the physical benefit that comes from doing it. We have a stronger immune system. There's a great deal of research out around this. We have fewer aches and pains. We have better sleep cycles and optimum cardiac functioning. And our blood pressure is better. When we practice gratitude, we get the physical benefit under that three-legged stool. The second of those three legs under the stool is a psychological benefit. We are more aware. We're more awake We have a greater ability to concentrate. We are more able to better regulate our mood. We have increased confidence. We have better emotional differentiation. You know what that is? That's the ability to be around the strong emotions of other people, especially negative ones, and not get infected, air quotes around that, by their negative emotions. And we end up having a wider range of positive emotions more than the the standard fine, (laughs) right? So there's two legs, physical benefit from saying thank you and meaning it, a psychological benefit from being grateful. And here's the third one, a social benefit. Get real. We like being around grateful people. We like being around and working with that kind of person. We communicate better with them. People want to engage with you because you're grateful. There you have three legs of the gratitude stool. A happier you, a healthier you, and a better you. (laughs) All of this from a simple and profound and sincere practice of saying thank you and meaning it. Pay attention. You'll probably notice that the really good leaders around you do this a lot. You'll thank me later. (laughs) So Donnie and I also noticed that these leaders asked, how can I help? 
we notice what the question does when it's asked sincerely by a leader like yourself. Perhaps you've seen it. They listen. They look for how they can help. They identify what they can do, especially if it's leveraged. Knowing that they can't do everything, these leaders look for something that they can do that will make the other things easier to do. That's called leverage. They say, I can't do this, but I can do this. And then they act. And if for some reason they can't act now, they say so. I can't do that now, but I can do it tomorrow at noon. And they're specific and they make a promise. So when they say, how can I help? They end up actually helping. You know, it's intriguing to me that some leaders, managers, supervisors, rarely ask, how can I help? It's, it stands out by way of contrast to me. And I've wondered why. Maybe there's four reasons why we don't ask, how can I help? Now, maybe this isn't you. Maybe this is your friend. <laughs> okay. Here are some reasons, four of them. One, maybe we don't ask because we have an upside-down mental model about our leadership. We think people are here to serve me. I'm at the top. I've paid my dues. You should be asking me how you can help me. Here's the second thought. Maybe we think that helping means simply doing more, adding more to our endless pile of tasks so we don't ask. What I've noticed, however, is that often I help the most by giving a person permission to stop doing something or to delay that thing until later or to delegate them or that task they've got to someone else. Huh. Here's the third idea. Maybe we don't ask how can I help? Because we know we don't have time and they're going to say, here's how you can help. We haven't created the margins in our day to be able to help people, even though we want to. Remember, magic happens in the margins. No margin, no magic. I'll bet that's your main reason for not asking, how can I help? Because with Sweet Brown, you say, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Remember the old wisdom you don't have because you don't ask? Remember that? Well, this is like the inverse of that. You don't ask, how can I help? Because you don't have any time <laughs> to help. I can't help people I serve as a leader because I'm just too busy. I don't have margins to help them. Here's the fourth idea. Maybe we don't ask because we think that helping means fixing everything. But in reality, the most helpful things that you and I can do as a leader are usually small things, they're leveraged things, and they're things that only you can do. So you know me by now, I can't talk about anything, it seems, without tying it back to our neuropsychology, right? The neuropsychology of helpfulness is fascinating to me. As with saying thank you, asking how can I help and then helping in some small way triggers the production and the uptake of that wonderful neuro cocktail of happy engagement. Dopamine plus oxytocin plus serotonin plus a dash of norepinephrine. <laughs> it's wonderful. If we are helpful, being helpful, not just asking, but following up on being helpful, when we do that, it activates our 500,000 mirror neurons. Googleize that. Figure out what a mirror or sometimes called a mirroring neuron is and how it works. It's fascinating. It activates that when we're helpful. 
it increases slightly our metabolic rate, so we chew through our calories a little bit faster. It enhances our memory salience, and it accelerates learning, and it lowers our blood pressure, creates a sense of joy in the helper and in the one being helped. It increases sympathy and compassion for both the helper and the one helped. It makes us more open to change, and it enhances what we call our theory of mind. You've heard of that before, right? Our theory of mind is... Uh, it's our ability to imagine accurately or fairly accurately what another person is thinking and what they're feeling, what they what they believe, what they want, what they intend, what they fear. That's theory of mind. And to accurately predict their behavior in different situations because you've got a good theory of mind about that other person. Being helpful enhances our ability to have theory of mind. You know, walk a mile in my shoes, right? that kind of thing, right? Uh, by the way, I really do like the common or the more current version of that walk a mile in my shoes kind of thing. If you're having really frustrating time with somebody, you're just very angry and irritated with them, well, walk a mile in their shoes and there will be two benefits. You will be a mile away from them and you'll have their shoes. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't take that advice, all right? Okay, let's wrap this up with some pro tips. You're probably good at these practices already, right? Saying thank you and how can I help? But how could you be even a little bit better? Here's a few tips that I've learned from the pros over the years and practiced myself. First, say thank you. Some tips around that. Write thank you cards. It has a delayed and enhanced effect on you and on them. And send thank you emails a day or two after with specifics in those emails. And send thank you texts on the same day and be specific. Send thank you gifts. Maybe a week later, a small thoughtful gift like a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Get advice on something that you're already doing. Listen and don't defend yourself. Ask people, hey, what do you think? And then say thank you. If you're a person of faith and you're nervous or you're anxious a lot, well, how about turning to God and be thankful? Because you know there's some old wisdom that says don't be anxious about anything, but ask for help with thanksgiving, and you're going to have a castle wall of peace built around your heart and your mind. You know that. That's old as dirt, and it actually is true. So this idea of practicing gratitude is well-worn and well-tested. Next, some tips from my observation of the pros who regularly ask, how can I help? First of all, it's a conscious decision on their part to ask. It's not yet a habit. It's a conscious decision, and they do it every day. Next, they create margins so that they can be helped. So much can be said about that. Next, it's a discipline. This asking, how can I help, is a discipline. It's not yet a habit, so it does take a conscious act of will, not just at the beginning of the day, I'm going to ask people, how can I help, but in the moment where you feel, ah, I'm too busy, I can't ask this, right? It takes a conscious act of will to say, how can I help, and then listen. I've noticed that these folks, when they ask this, they stop moving. They're not walking and talking. They are intentionally focused when they ask. They focus on the person and the situation. They slow down, they stop moving, and they ask. Here's the next idea. They ask when someone appears stressed or frustrated. Hey, you, you seem a bit frustrated. How can I help? And they also ask when someone seems off or sad. Hey, how can I help? Like that. They ask, how can I help? Because they want to be helpful. These highly effective leaders, I'm probably talking about you, know that at the core of their purpose as a leader is helpfulness. So what do you think? Let's step on this scale together. Let's, let's look at the leader-influencer scale. <laughs> See what it says. How often do you say thank you and really mean it? How often do you ask, okay, okay, how can I help? And then actually take a small step to help. If you want to take your leadership influence and impact to a lot higher level, this is how you do it. So let's wrap up our time by talking a little bit about this 
Pikesville Rye and this New Cuba Nicaraguan Cigar. This is called a premium cigar. And whenever a cigar says premium, I suspect it might not be. But this cigar is utterly delightful. It is a six and a half by four. 50 ring gauge, and it's a torpedo, so it, it's shaped like a torpedo at, at the one end, or a toro, if you want to call it that. Um, and the wrapping is beautiful. It is a Maduro wrapper that is a Brazilian wrapper, from what I understand, but the filler and the binder are all Nicaraguan. It's like sitting around a campfire that has cedar wood, dried cedar wood in it. That's the smell. And the taste is slightly peppery and slightly sweet, and it stays consistent till about halfway through the cigar, and then it changes to this mellow, almost like a dark burnt chocolate flavor. It doesn't sound good, but it's a good smell and a good taste. The little bit of a coffee note in it. I highly recommend these, and they are not very expensive, and they are quite good. Once again, that's a new Cuba cigar. By It says they're handmade, but it doesn't look like it's hand. It looks machine-made to me, but they say they're hand-rolled, handmade, so it's box-pressed on the foot, and then a Toro torpedo at the head of the cigar. Highly recommend it, and wow, does it go well with this Pikesville 120 10 proof straight rye. Now, here's the deal. With this Pikesville rye, it smells like cherry cola. It smells, you can hardly smell any of the rye spice that's in it. It's got almost a little bit of a red licorice. Maybe it's like apple pie, the cinnamon and the apple mixed together. Those are the smells that it has with it. And the palate is so good. I'm going to take a sip. I'll edit out the sound of me swallowing because that's a disgusting sound on a podcast. I can't stand that in movies or podcasts. I don't want to hear you swallowing or chewing. So I'll edit this out. Stand by. It is a huge surprise for a rye. It has a cherry flavor to it. Immediately, cherry, sweet cherry flavor to it with the with the 110 proof that kind of backs it up. Then it's got some vanilla. And there, now the rye. Now the rye settles in, which is a little bit of a spicy flavor to it. This is so, so good. It's so good that this little half a shot that I poured in this Glen Cairn glass will probably last me a good 45 minutes. I sipped it once or twice during the podcast, and now I'm going to sit back, put my feet up. I've got a wonderful day ahead of me where I get to meet with some delightful people within my own uh, companies, and uh, I'm going to enjoy this. Perhaps I'll invite them to come down here and enjoy this with me down here in the studio instead of heading up to one of our opulent top floor offices. <laughs> we don't have any top floor offices. I'm kidding. Anyway, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you very much for being a friend and thank you for taking the time to listen to these podcasts. It's fun to make these and I just hope they are valuable to you. There you go. Take care. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.